Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. While we're taking up the offering, uh, this evening, uh, Izan's going to share with us. And um, big privilege, we've known Izan and Alex since way back in Stellenbosch days. And they've been in, in Joburg for 10 years. It's a long time. Uh, in the church for 10 years, and uh, they've been some of the people who've been here the longest. And they've always served in some capacity or another, and they really have a heart for, for God and for His church. And uh, I know Izan especially has, has a, a passion, um, you know, that everyone has a rightful place in God's family, and for everyone to find that place uh, in God's family, you know, the place where God has, has built them in as living stones. So uh, I'm going to ask uh, Izan to come up and share with us. And uh, let's open up our hearts and receive what, she, what, what the Lord has to say to us through her. Thanks, Izan. Hello, Yella. Greetings from the Randburg congregation. Thank you. I bring my air water, but thank you. I'm that person that walks with a bottle of water. That's for you now, Amy. Enjoy. Yes, so greetings from Randburg. Uh, some of you should come visit us again. Some of us, Randberg, should come visit you again. The kids were saying to me, I have two daughters for you, those of you who don't know me. Um, one is seven and four. Four is going on 15. Um, Mama, please, can we go to no- Aunt Kerk, evening church, please, Mama. Um, and we're having a discipline situation at the moment in our home, so some privileges are slightly reduced. Um, so they're not here tonight. Um, because of some discipline issues, but they are longing to be here. They love coming to Aunt Kerk, Um, but it's super cool to be with you. Thanks, Henny. Uh, Thanks also to the leadership of this congregation that I can share with you some thoughts, Um, but I do want to tell you a little bit about my story because many of you don't know me very well, Um, so I'll give you a bit of a background. Henny mentioned that we've been around this uh, church, Joburg for the last 10 years, and we were serving in Stellenbosch for seven years before that. Um, When I got saved, I went to church to get saved. Um, I didn't go because of any other reason. I I walked to the church, waited for the altar call, and walked forward. Um, Not everybody does it that way. I'm well aware that that's a bit strange. I also went to uh, Encounter One, or our Ignite, to go and get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a strange thing, but that's what I did because I, I figured that you need to, if you're serious about it, you need to be serious about it. So I was serious about it. Um, but I didn't know that I could just ask Jesus to baptize me in the Holy Spirit any other place. I thought that is where it happens. It does happen in other places too. Um, but I, I'm giving you a little bit of context uh, to my story, in, with my story for some of the thoughts I'd, I hope to share with you. Hello. Um, and I, as, as I was sort of giving my life to the Lord, I heard him say to me, I'm giving you a home. Um, I'm giving you a place to belong. So my family uh, isn't as belonging or as homely uh, as some other families have been. So that was a strange thing for me to hear from him as sort of the first welcoming words to his family was, I'm giving you 
a home. I'm giving you a place to belong. And I had to figure out what that meant because, you know, the, the next Wednesday I had strange people phoning me and inviting me to small group. And I'm going, wow, these are really super saved people and they're a bit weird and I don't know what to do with the way that they're praying and it's very intimidating. Um, but at the same time, so drawing because I, I want... I want to be around these people. So it was quite a process for me to find a sense of stability almost in, in the belonging. You know, you think you hear something from God that says, you know, I'm giving you a family and boom, it's family. And it, it wasn't necessarily like that for me. Um, and that belonging, that family is something I had yearned for my whole life really. Um, I've never belonged somewhere like I belong in, in this house. Um, so I'm saying that I've, I've been in this family for 17 years. It says to me that Jesus has been faithful for all of these years to the words that he spoke to me, and uh, that this is the family he gives. And m- my role has changed from one, you know, church to the next or life sort of season to the next, but it still has always been my family. So I very much love this church. The Santon congregation I have a really soft spot for because many, many years ago when we were just doing worship evenings at Jean and Ian's house and sort of going from there to a venue, you know, I, I was packing our chairs and, and doing stuff for this congregation and, and excited to see what God's going to do. And um, I also have the privilege of uh, doing some labor support from time to time for moms who, uh, you know, are pregnant and going to have babies. So, Santon, this congregation is very much like one of the babies I I, supported. Uh, So, I remember the evening of the launch of this congregation, and I almost felt like, done. You know, babies here, it has leadership that's going to look after it and care for it. I get to walk away. So every time I come in here, it's almost like seeing some of the parents I've supported here. I see their children and I go, oh, you're doing so well. So I have such a soft spot for this congregation and the earnest desire to seek Jesus that's here. So I just wanted to honor you for that, by the way. Um, And in that sort of share a little bit more about my history, I ask a question, lots of questions. I, I I used to teach uh, in human movement sciences, and I ask my students lots of questions. And in in one way, it was a way of me not having to speak as much so they could speak more, um, because I don't really like speaking all that much. Um, But my questions have often caused some, uh, what's the word, some internal turmoil. So I'm just disclaimering some of my questions uh, you, you are going to need to engage with God on them. Engage in your small group, engage with each other. They're hard questions. The first one I have for you is an introduction question, which is the boom one. What will the church look like when Jesus comes for us? What will we look like? What, what is he coming back for? Uh, the question challenges me severely because it makes me think of Acts 2 and... They had all things in common. They sold all the things they had. These are sort of the lines that are thrown in there, and Jesus was adding daily. And then there's 3,000 added, and then there's another 1,000 added, and it's just all these people. 
And I am a bit of an introvert. I don't like big groups and big people groups. So if I'm thinking of the church Jesus is coming back for, there's a lot of people in there. Um, and what will, we, what will we look like when he comes for us? Uh, are, are we now, do we look like what we should look like now? Um, yes or no? And, and if no, what are the areas that he's, he's speaking to us about in becoming? Um, because he's the builder. We, we, don't, we don't build without him. We, we get to co-labor with Christ. He's the master builder of, of the church. Um, and he very much sees himself um, with the church. I, Henny mentioned yesterday, um, as a sort of illustration to something, when Saul was on his way to Damascus to go and slaughter the rest of the church on that end, uh, Jesus stops him midway and says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me, not the church? Although he was on his way to go kill the church. Um, he, Jesus said, persecute me. Um, and that, that just speaks of the intense love and connection that Jesus has with the church. I, I think of if somebody says something um, less than wonderful about Alex, my husband, the back of my hair stand up straight. And I go, how dare you speak of us, speak of me? How dare you say anything other than that he's fantastic because he has no faults? What are you talking about? It's, it's a similar thing. You know, if, Robin, if somebody says something funny about Ian, I bet you you're going to be like, excuse me? Who do you think you are? And, and Jesus feels that way about us as the church. Uh, he loves us fiercely. Um, and he's building us into the bride that he's coming back for. So I'm not here to recruit you into a team. Just disclaimer. I'm not here to motivate and guilt trip you into serving in some or other team. That is a collateral damage, hopefully, um, of what I'm here to share. I just I have some thoughts that has been stirring for a couple of years in, in my heart around church and serving. What does serving mean? Um, what is our place in church? Why, why so diverse? And, and why, why do we look different? And uh, some of these questions I ask and answer when I teach a, a Bible school module called Supportive Ministry. And in there, I, I look at the words. Like, what is, what is support? Because if, if I just say support to you, it doesn't sound like a loaded word. It just sounds like, ah, oh, Support. Um, but support is very much a loaded word. If, if you go and dig into the meaning or just look at other words that kind of link to support, to provide assistance, my favorite one, to lend strength and to give stability. And that changes the word support in my heart completely. It becomes a low, I want to support all of a sudden because I have strength to add. I didn't know I could add strength when I'm supporting. Or I could give some stability, like these pillars. I can, I can add some stability to someone or something. Or, you know, That sounds like something I want to do. I want to lend my strength. I want to give assistance or give some stability to something. And the same with the word minister. We think minister means the person that's standing at the pulpit and speaks sermon words all the time. It's, it's not that at all. The word minister means to serve. 
you're a servant. So Henny, when he comes and preaches, he serves God and us with the word. Um, when you go to a small group or when you are in your home with your children and you are serving them food, you are ministering to them. You are ministering a cup of tea to your colleague at work. That's ministry. Um, it's ministry, serving God and others. So you're a servant. Hoo-ha! Servants. <laughs> We're all servants, God and of each other. And that's a big privilege. Uh, if you take out your, your Bible app and you look for the word minister, wow, for the findings and the context of the different words that you find. Um, back in the day when we didn't have apps, can you believe? there was a thing like not having apps. We had to go to this in the back of your Bible. And really, you buy the Bible that has the words, the concordance, the explanations and findings. We had to do it that way back in the day. Now we can just type in a word on our app, and it's a whole lot faster. So say thank you to the YouVersion Bible app, Donkey, for making searching easier <laughs> for us to enjoy. But that's a little homework you could go and do. Just go and look up minister and look in the context, the different word, I mean, sort of context that the word minister is used in. Uh, it's, it's quite something. So if we're all servants or ministers, what does that mean for us in the context of church um, and and, and from church, when we go to our different spheres um, of influence, I, I think of Haney as a minister or a servant, and him having to do that by himself, and I go, hmm, not going to go very far very quickly, because he's one. He's an excellent one, but he's one. But what will it look like when we all minister? A little bit different exponentially further than just the person who preaches on a Sunday or works for the church full-time. Exponentially different when we're all ministering, when we're all serving God and others in whatever the context looks like for you. So think about that, how effective we get to be and when we're all serving together, we're all ministering together. Um, there's my... My dad, he's, he's short now. He shrunk. He used to be a giant in my eyes, very strong guy. He was, um, he's 72 this year. So back when he was young and super strong, before even we were, you know, we were born, he was a major karate guy, major. Like, I don't know how many dans there are in karate, but he had them all. And he was competing internationally, and then sanctions came, and then he wasn't competing internationally anymore because he couldn't. And he was a super strong guy. Uh, he just had a shoulder replacement this very past week. Um, all of that china chops uh, killed his shoulder, and uh, all the bones sort of disintegrated and... There was nothing. There's really nothing. The doctors were so concerned because they were scared when they, when they have to hammer in the, the, the new shoulder that the bone will actually be able to hold what they're hammering in because it's just been so brittle. But he's doing super well. And it made me think, you know, in the past, I don't know, however many years, he's been a granddad. 
my, my sister's children are a little bit older, he's, if he comes to visit us here in, in Johannesburg, he drinks Voltaren four days before he comes so that he can pick up who was then my niece and hold her. He, his shoulders can't. And it becomes compensatory. I don't know if that's a real word. But the rest of his body had to compensate because his shoulders just couldn't. And he gritted his teeth. But from Hello High Water, he's picking up his grandchildren. And it comes at a great cost to his stomach, who has to manage all the Voltaren that he was drinking, just to be able to do that. It made me think about us as a body. Um, when, when the shoulder gives in, what the compensation looks like. You know, what, what needs to work harder because the shoulders is not, shoulder doesn't work anymore. The shoulder can't lift the way it used to. You know, his range of motion was this. This is as far as it could go, and this was quite far. This was already going, when he lifts his shoulder, well, arm that far. We are trusting for him to be able to do this in a couple of months or year, I don't know. They said the rehab's like 18 months or something crazy, but eventually it, it's theoretically supposed to be better than what he had now. And how often does it go that far before one has to intervene? How often does it become a major operation, a major shoulder replacement um, for things to become mobile again? I, I wonder about that in the context of church. How, how does it get to a shoulder replacement? How do we stop it from, from becoming a shoulder replacement while it's still just a sore shoulder that needs a little bit of care? Just needs some rehab. We just need to look at how can we move better? How can we do some adjustments for it to actually work again um, and have full range of motion? What does that look like in our, in our church with our people? Because a shoulder is a person represented in, in church. You know, Ephesians speaks about the body as the physical body and uses that as an example of us. You know, hands, feet, ears. Ears can't do what, what eyes do. Eyes can't do what hands do. That's us. Um, and I wonder about the shoulders out there uh, that are feeling like they should be replaced where maybe they need a little bit of TLC. And this is the place for TLC, right here. Um, we sang of orphans coming home. I want to say this is the rehab center for your shoulder. We want you to be fixed up and mobile and capable of lifting and being strong the way you were created to be strong. So that's just a side note about us as the body. Come with your broken shoulder. Come here. Don't run away when, when it hurts. Um, Jesus heals inside, inside of church together, not alone when we're in isolation. Um, I also remember a couple of years ago, I had my firstborn daughter. She's now seven, almost to eight. And um, I didn't quite know what, what I look like in the context of church. Henny said to you that we've been serving in different capacities for years, and it's very much so. In Stellenbosch, my whole identity was connected to the many, many places I got to serve, and the fact that people thought I worked for the church, even though I didn't. Um, I was like, yeah, I belong, so I have to do everything. You know, Jesus said, this is your house. So clearly, I need to be involved in everything, and I, it was great, but he also stopped me at some point and said, too much, 
too little of me, too much of church. Um, so we, we had to revisit that. But coming to Johannesburg, being here, having my firstborn, I was again at this sort of crossroads going, well, what, is, what do I look like now? You know, I sort of dealt with the identity thing somewhat. So I don't feel condemned that I'm not doing everything anymore. But what, what should I do now? So I was a bit in turmoil there, and um, we, we're still under the leadership of Heinrich Titus at the time. He's our national leader in, in, in serving in the Somerset West congregation. And he arranged coffee with me and sat me down at Mug and Bean, where I will never go again, and said, Izan, where are you? I said, what do you mean? I come every Sunday. The chair's warm. I'm seated. I arrive. And he said to me, no, you don't. You, your body might be there and you might be warming the chair, but you're not coming to church. Where are you? I miss your gift. I said, what gift? I don't bring words. I don't, you know, I don't, I just, I just come to church and maybe pack out tea or something. And he said to me, no, I miss your presence at church. And of course you bawl your eyes out because you're foolish like that and he's, you know, poking all his fingers at the, the crazy parts that don't make sense just yet and it causes you to walk away from the mug and being happy that it's, you're no longer at the mug and bean, but very in, much in turmoil about what do I do with the fact that someone saw that I wasn't rocking up. It means I need to do something. You know, I can't hide anymore behind whatever it is I was hiding behind. I had to engage God with, okay, so... Heinrich saw it and called it for what it was. What does it mean for me now, Lord? How do I? What does he need then? Like how, like, what, it, what am I supposed to do on a Sunday? Uh, it was actually very simple. Uh, I, just, I just had to come. Uh, ready to, and I walk in the door and going, Jesus, I'm here to serve your church. I'm here to worship you. Whatever that looks like today or tonight or whatever service. Um, I'm here for that. It became that prayer because I didn't know what else to pray. I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Um, and for a, a short period of time, it was a very interesting thing. Heinrich started receiving Monday morning mail in his inbox. Um, I, I felt God starting to show me some things about, you know, what happens in the spirit, in a sense, around church services. And, and he's like, oh, this is awesome because how it links with with intercession or even the word or some stuff that he was processing. And um, it, I was like, oh, I, I can do that. You know, I don't have to come to the front. Nobody gets to see me and happily worship at the back. And I just ask Jesus a question. What does it look like tonight or this morning or whatever, Lord? What, what are we doing? What, what should we be doing? Um, and then sort of, again, finding, finding a groove and... And that was quite special. It was so hard when he said to me, where are you? It was so hard for me to hear because I was very proud of the way of my ability to hide. Very proud. Um, but I was called out. So maybe tonight some of you are being called out, being seen. And the Lord is saying, come. Come. Because inevitably it wasn't really Henny that needed me. It was God saying, enough. 
we've we've you've been hiding enough. It's time for you to feature again in your in your heart and your spirit, not just in your seat warmer bum. Um, and in a sense, I in that period had to look at my my identity as a child of God, because I've, that was what was missing. My my understanding of my position in Christ and then whatever that looks like in the body was really where the problem was lying. And, and tonight I want to encourage you to do whatever it takes to settle the sonship thing uh, once and for all for us. Um, if, if you are born again, you've given your life to Jesus, you belong to his family um, and the expression of his family here. Um, is a home that you can belong to also. There's, there's nothing that changes your, your sonship, your childhoodness, whatever the word is, of God. Nothing can shake you from his hand. So I have rejection background stuff too, so that doesn't get to be an excuse either for too long. We are called the sons and daughters of God. We are co-heirs with Christ that's our inheritance. That's who we are. Romans 8 talks about us, the ability for us to call out to him, Abba Father, we're adopted. We were orphans that have a home. We're adopted into his family. That's us. And in all your imperfections, which means you get to cry out, Dad, life is awful. My daughter, this very morning, the little one, she was, for some reason, watching a story on the iPad because we don't have a TV. Of course we have a TV, but the iPad is what she wants to watch the story on. Um, and my eldest daughter was sleeping late, which never happens, and woke up and sat next to her, next to the iPad. And Carlene lost it. <gasps> on the table. I'm like, what is going on with you? And I want Laura to sit with me. Yes, how selfish can you be right now? Uh, and Laura's just like, she doesn't care, pulled the iPad a little bit to the angle. And Galen's just losing it completely. And I said to her, just, just stop, stop. Can we just be, can we just think about what's happening here? Whenever Laura's doing something with the iPad, she gladly shares with you because that's what we do. We share. Why is that willing, dealing? I don't want to share. So honest. I'm so proud of her. I said, well done for giving me the words that you're experiencing, but that's a problem. <laughs> it's, a, it's still a problem. And we had to work through that. She got over it. I don't know how. I can't remember. But God does that with us. You know, God, I don't want to share. Yes, well done for giving me the words, but that's a problem. Let's talk about the problem. <laughs> God does that with us too. We, we get to cry and moan and, and just lose it completely. But then he does come gently afterwards and says, okay, thanks for sharing your heart. Let me help you with some truth so that you can free you from the mess that's in, on your inside right now. That is who we get to be with him. And we, and we get to express that in different ways and even in the context of church. Maybe some of you haven't done that with God in your quiet time, just lost it. You, you, you really can. 
You can't lose it. He, he's not going to freak out. Just maybe that's for somebody who's unsure. That is your position with him. David did it all the time. He lost it all the time. And he was like, kill all the people. Make them die. But yet I praise you, Lord. And let your will be done. <laughs> he did that all the time. It's such an example for us. So sort out. Sort out sonship. Sort out whatever it takes, however long it takes, whoever you need to pull into the process of sorting out you as a child of God, settle it. Settle it. That's a real encouragement I have for you. Um, You know, what does this have to do with a Sunday service (laughs) and pictures on the wall? And it's a great question. If we're ministers, servants um, of God and each other, if, if we lend support, assistance, stability, um, our strength, what does that mean for a Sunday service? What does it mean for us as a church family? And what makes a Sunday service unique? Have you ever thought about that? Why do we come together on a Sunday? Why do we do that? Is it a religious action of the, the week? Tick, went to church, I'm good with God. Why do we come together on a Sunday? Have you ever thought about it? You're welcome to shout out answers. I don't want to speak anymore. <laughs> do you think it's for the fellowship? Maybe. Do you think it's for the worship? Maybe. Do you think it's for hearing a nice sermon? Maybe. But what makes it unique? Because these things can happen in small group too. Or in a different setting. So why, why a Sunday service? Why do we all come together here on a Sunday? I'll tell you. I believe... A Sunday service is the main corporate public witness of Jesus. It's the main corporate together. It's public. Anyone can come witness of Jesus. You know, a small group is small and it does have some sense of corporate together, some sense of fellowship, but but can anybody walk into your small group? Not necessarily. There's no signs outside your house that point small group here, Um, there are signs outside these buildings and in the streets that says church here. So if somebody drives past in a mess, they know I can go there. I don't know what I'll find there, but, but I can go there. It's a corporate witness. It's public. Anyone can come and be here. And Jesus puts himself on display. You know, tonight's really special worship. Jesus very much put himself on display for us to adore and to see. But what is it that we put on display of him on a Sunday service, on a Sunday? What do we show of him? If somebody sees the sign with the shofar orange and goes, oh, it's a church, I can go there, and they walk through the door, what will they see of Jesus? What will they they go... So this is what Jesus looks like. What will their answer be? Oh, I, 
I saw kindness. Maybe. I saw kindness. How do we display his kindness? You know, Mason greeting you at the door and giving you a sticker. I, I saw Jesus' kindness when I walked through these doors tonight. And Gerda and they were like, oh, I hear you're preaching. We've already soaked and covered you in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I experienced this kindness when I walked through the door uh, tonight. And Stefan said to me, ooh, I like your shirt. You look nice in the green shirt. I was like, I should come here more often. <laughs> so good for me. Thanks. Um, his kindness. Uh, we do that in how we connect with one another, how we greet each other, how we're um, v- visible and we see people. You know, sometimes I do that a lot. I sneak into church, I come sit and I run out. That, that's okay every now and again. It's not okay all the time. Um, we wanna, he, he wants to display his kindness and he can do that through all of us. Um, what about his power? Do we see the power of Jesus, his transformation power? How do we show that on a Sunday? Maybe, you know, when we're interceding, I believe Gerda and them were praying and whoever else is at intercession before church. That's the power of God that filters straight into what happens in here. It's the power of God. When we have an altar call, we don't want people to come stand here for the sake of showing off something. We believe in the transformative power that Jesus has on a Sunday, that there's an anointing for healing, for deliverance, for a touch of God, for some, for peace, whatever it is, um, for the people that come to the front to be prayed for. Or even when you're just at the back and you see Louis, you're like, yes, Louis, don't you want to just pray with me for, for this? That's, that's the power of God on display. Can, can someone come in and see that? What about his beauty? Jesus is beautiful. We saw that tonight as we fixed our eyes on him. What does it look like in a church setting? His beauty. I think the way that we worship, you know, having a skilled band who, who come and who prepare songs, who practice their craft, their skills, and, and come and facilitate us into looking at Jesus, not at them. We don't come here to look at the band and think, yo, what a great musician. We do come here to look at Jesus uh, and join in the song. Um, I believe we see his beauty uh, when we worship together. What about the gospel? Surely we must see the gospel in church. Uh, How do we see the gospel in church? I wonder if uh, anointed ministry, you know, preaching the word and holding up the truth of Jesus Every Sunday, irrespective of what the sermon is about, but to hold the gospel before us all the time. The gospel isn't a one-time thing. You get saved. Cool, you've done the gospel. Let's move on to solid food. Gospel is everything. It's everything. We are and what we should be looking through and how we should be acting. It's all in the gospel. I believe anointed preaching brings that his presence. Do they experience his presence? I believe tonight we, we really did experience his presence and it was beautiful. Um, yeah, so I don't know if you've ever thought of it like that, of, of a Sunday service and us truly having the privilege of representing him. It's not perfect. Man, some nights we look horrible. 
in the world of perfect, mm-mm. But I don't think for a second that intimidates Jesus. Not at all. You know, when the music doesn't work or the projection doesn't want to work tonight because some gremlin creeped in and you've been praying and your faith has been practiced to its absolute end to make the screen work, it's not perfect. But we come in here expecting to meet with him. And, and that's a perfect desire to come and meet him. And for us to be able to display that uh, to the world, to anyone, I think he's pretty okay with us doing it imperfectly, but hoping to grow to show him more because we desire to see him more. We desire to show his kindness, to show his beauty, to show his presence, his power more towards each other. And from here into the world in in whatever context we find ourselves. I want to ask Mezen to come a little bit closer. She uh, wants to introduce people that you know to you. Um, But... I just want to encourage us uh, as a church family to show Jesus and to know that you are, that you represent him wherever you go, but that even in this church body and you have something that you show of him. And if you've been hiding a little bit uh, for a little while, um, I want to say to you, you're seen. (laughs) You're seen. Jesus sees and, and he's encouraging you from the hiding and saying, I, I have something of me that's displayed through you. Don't hide it. Don't hide it from those I want to encourage with that, that gold that's inside of you, that part of me that I want to reflect um, to the people who are around you. Sorry if that's hard for you because I know if somebody calls out the hider, I love hiding. So I hate when people see, see when I hide. I don't like the pulpit at all. But it's not about me or the pulpit. It's about Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.